Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everyone. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here. Thank you. And uh, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. We are in a series that we have simply entitled The Sweet Life. The Sweet Life. And it's loosely based on Psalms 34, 8. You can read it out loud with me. One, two, three, go. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, wait, I, I, I only heard like five of you. We're going to start over. One, two, three, go. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And, and to me, that verse is an invitation. It's letting us know that with God, things are good and that we can expect good things from his presence. And so we've been kind of highlighting tasty treats. The first series was Whoppers, Whoppers. And in that, we encourage everyone, listen, to be truthful at all times. Uh, Someone said that if you tell the truth all the time, I could believe you all the time. But if you tell the truth half of the time, 50% of the time, I can't believe you any of the time. And for me, it's even higher. If if, even if you're telling the truth 80%, and I, in my heart, I know 20% of the time is lies, I, I have a hard time. I'm not going to sit there and try to decipher what's truth from lies. You're just going to be known as someone who doesn't tell the truth. And so God calls us that if we're going to be a, if we're going to live the sweet life, we're going to abstain from telling lies because Jesus said the, that that's the Satan's MO. When he speaks, he's the father of lies. It's his natural tongue. And we don't want to be like him. We want to be like Jesus. Amen? We also talked about last week's spiritual butterfingers. If you've not yet watched that one, watch that one. Because God has called us to engage, not just to be spectators on this thing called life. And, and God has had a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And we highlighted Saul's life, who was called and anointed and set apart and uniquely talented and gifted to do a work of the Lord. And he had all these qualifications, but at the end, he was kind of useless to the Lord because when the ball was tossed to him, he dropped the ball. He was found hiding among the baggage, and that would kind of be his MO for the rest of his his uh, ministry life, even though he had all the qualifications, he wasn't engaging the things of the Lord. And, th- and I made the point last week, God's got a plan and a purpose for every single one of us, but it's not automatic. See, we think, or oh, just because we said a prayer, many people think that, that, that the will of the Lord will somehow just magically appear into your life. No, he says, he, you will seek me and find me when you seek me. Come on, somebody. With what? Turn to your neighbor and say, all your heart. He's looking for all your heart. And if you want to see God's plan for your life, this is not a spectator sport. You've got to get in the game. 
And when you're in the game and God's t- the, the, the coach or the, the quarterback throws you the ball, you're going to do your best to hold on to it. Hold on to your marriage. Hold on to your position as a, as a godly father and, and a mother. Don't get caught up in the foolishness that the world is teaching because you can develop spiritual butterfingers and it will slip through your fingers. If you're going to experience the sweet life that God has for you, you're going to avoid spiritual butterfingers. Well, the tasty treat that we're highlighting today is called juicy fruit. Someone say juicy fruit. (laughs) And, And I chose that one because, frankly, it goes perfectly with our subject today, which, if you haven't figured out yet, is gossip. Is gossip. I came across a poem about gossip, and it was called Nobody's Friend. And it goes like this. It says, my name is gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious, and I gather strength with age. The more I'm quoted, the more I am believed. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is virtually impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I have the ability to topple governments and wreck marriages. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights, headaches and indigestion. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. I'm called gossip. Listen to me. Proverbs 26, verse 22 says, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels, they go down to a man's inmost parts. Listen to it in the message. It says, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you want junk like that in your belly? Now, unfortunately, for far too many people, the quick and short answer to that question is, yep, They want junk like that in their belly. Just like the subject of whoppers or telling lies, gossip is something that has gone mainstream and is generally accepted in our culture. We have gossip television, gossip headlines, gossip magazines. We have gossip cable TV pretending to be news these days, all based on who said what or did this or with whom they're doing it with. Gossip in our culture is a multi-million dollar industry. And many of us get caught up in it, in and outside the church. Think about it. Whose ears have it kind of perked up when you hear something juicy in a conversation or, or if it turns to something salacious about someone you know or know of? Did you hear what's going on with Sally, or Bob, or Jim? What's happening in their marriage, or with their friends? Your ears just kind of pop up. Whose eyes haven't gone to the gossip magazines on the racks that are talking about 
outing this person, in some cases lying about people's personal lives. I mean, we sat through four years of hearing about Russia, 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 only to find out from our politicians, we heard this, that it's all a hoax, lies based on fake news. But listen to me, that's not okay. And it's all fine and dandy when it's about someone else. But when it comes down to you, and all of a sudden you walk up on a conversation and the conversation goes quiet or hush-hush or gets back to you what someone else has, has done or said or doesn't have the spine to tell you to your face, then everything has changed when it's about you. Proverbs 11:13, gossips can't keep secrets, but a trustworthy person can. Now concerning gossiping and gossips, the Bible is clear. It doesn't, want, it doesn't leave room for what's going on in society today. It tells us exactly what God thinks about it. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, it says, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. He's talking about the judgment that's coming on this world today because they've rejected the truth. Listen, look at me, young people. Because they've rejected the truth, something else comes in in its place, and they embrace foolishness. And the Bible calls it, they give them over to a depraved mind. Then he tells us what the depraved mind looks like. He says, to do what ought not to be done, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are, help me out someone, gossips, gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, and they disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, ruthless, and although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Wow. And so what is a gossip? A gossip is, gossip defined as idle talk or rumor, especially about a personal or private affairs of others. Let me read that again. It's idle talk or rumor, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. I think most of us know what we're talking about there. It's, it's when you talk about a person, whether it's true or not, showing them in a, I would say, a less than positive light. Now, I'm not going to sit up here as some sanctimonious person say I've never been guilty of that. I, I know I have. I'm sure I have. And so I'm not just pointing the finger at anyone. And, and just so you know, I'm not, I'm not, I have no one in mind when I'm preparing this message. Only the sharing of biblical truth, because the Bible says it's truth that's going to set us free. Amen? Amen? 
And, and so it's for our personal growth and unity and harmony among the body of Christ. So how, how can addressing this subject bring unity and harmony in the body of Christ? Well, Proverbs 26, 20 says, listen, without wood, help me out somebody, a fire goes out, right? And without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Without wood, fire goes out. And without gossip, quarrels and strifes will die down. Anyone know what a pot stirrer is? You ever heard that term, a pot stirrer? It means somebody who loves to stir the pot to keep things going, to keep people fighting among each other, the, the, the sowing of strife among our brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the quickest ways to divide up a church is this thing called gossip. When you hear a little bit of morsel about somebody and then you repeat it and you repeat it and before you know it, there's a flame and a fire that's burning among you. Listen to me. The only fire that should be burning here at Living Water Community Church is the fire of God's love. I like to see this place burn with the passion of his work and that great commission that we talked about last week so that we don't develop spiritual butterfingers and we're all focused on the same things, fulfilling the great commission and the great commandment, which says to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. I like to sense the fire of his presence during our worship time, amen? And when we walk in the doors, I like to sense God's spirit here because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? All other fires, as far as I'm concerned, they can go out. The fire of jealousy, the fire of strife, the fire of contention, the fire of comparison, all that can go out. And the fire of gossip, or the juicy fruit of gossip, if you will. That can go out, as far as I'm concerned. The Apostle Paul, he was concerned about what's going on in the Corinthian church. And a lot of times we would say, you know, we need to get back to the old days and the way the old church used to do it. Be careful, because most of the corrective letters that the Apostle Paul and others wrote were because there were issues going on in the original church. And one of those was this issue. And in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul addressed it. This is what he said. He says, For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. In other words, <laughs> I'm coming to visit you, and I'm concerned that when I get there, there's going to be a problem. And because there's a problem, you're not going to see a side of me that you're going to like. That's basically what he's saying. He says, and you may find, it says, for I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I, want, as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarreling and jealousy and outbursts of anger and factions and slander and gossip, arrogance, and disorder. This is what he was concerned that he was going to find because he was getting rumors that there were factions and things going on in the Corinthian church. He went on to say in verse 21, and I'm afraid that when I come to you again, my God will make me ashamed before you. I may be saddened by many of you 
many of those who have sinned because they have not changed their hearts or turned from their sexual sins and shameful things they have done. Side note, I don't define sexual sin, and you don't define sexual sin, and certainly the world or our culture doesn't. God does. Amen? Look to the word for what he defines. And I don't care if the whole world is accepting of foolishness. It's what Paul is talking about in this scripture. He's concerned that he's going to find a church whose hearts are not changed and they've not turned from sexual sins and shameful things that they've done. So God wants our hearts to change. He wants our attitude towards shameful things to, to, to change. And so in verse 20, he gives us a word, introduces a new word. He gives us the word slander, slander, and it's listed with gossip. What slander? Slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging a person's reputation. That's all it takes to slander. Libel, put it in writing, okay? Either one of these you can get sued for in our culture. Matter of fact, it gives us an example. It says he is suing the TV network for slander. And it reminded me of what's happening in the world today because so much of our news is not like Walter Cronkite back in the day where you can get just the news. Now everything is opinion-based, and, but it's being presented as news. And so consequently, they are now slandering and, li- and causing people to be liable, and it's causing damage to their reputation, even to the point where people are, you know, today you get on Twitter or you get on social media and you spread a lie about somebody, and people just run with it. And they start attacking you, whether it's true or it's not true. That happened to a young, I think he was 15 or 16-year-old, back in 2019, Nick Sanders. In fact, he asked uh, Musk to release hidden Twitter files on the death threats that were against him. He was, he was um, in Washington, D.C. Some uh, Indian guy approached him and started mocking him in his face. But the way they reported it was that he was mocking the Indian guy, and all of a sudden he's getting death threats and all these other things, and they got it wrong. So they went, he went ahead and, and sued NBC, CNN, and all the likes. He sued them for something like $800,000, and they settled because they had slandered this young man. But they're not the only ones. I mean, Fox just got caught with the same thing. You better... Know what you're saying is true before you put it out there. Amen? Amen. And so, it was such a problem with the Israelis that they put it in the law as well. It says in Leviticus 19 verse 16, it says, You must not spread false stories against other people, and you must not do anything that would put your neighbor's life in danger. I am the Lord. That was the law. Don't spread false stories and don't put, don't make sure you don't do anything to put your neighbor's life in danger. Listen to me. Someone said that the only difference between gossip and slander is one degree. One degree. Suppose you wanted to kill someone and there's more than one way to do it. I'm not suggesting anyone do that, okay? I'm just giving an example. 
You could take a shotgun, you could walk right up to them, announce that you're going to shoot them, and, and then blow them away. That would be slander, okay? Or you can take a rifle with a scope, attach a silencer to it, hide yourself a, self, a safe distance away, and kill them from a long distance, and they would never know what hit them. That is gossip, okay? But they're only one degree away. Both are condemned by Scripture. And so what's the solution? Ephesians 4.29. It says, when you talk, watch this, do not say harmful things. Where are my young people? <laughs> do not say harmful things. Where are my husbands? Where are my wives? Come on, somebody. It's getting quiet in here. When you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need, words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. And do not make the Holy Spirit sad. Did you know it's possible to make the Holy Spirit sad? One, uh, one translation says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? How do we make the Holy Spirit sad? Well, first of all, you've got to understand this. Well, let me, let me just read a little bit more to give you context. It says, the Spirit is God's proof that you belong to him. God gave you the Spirit to show that God will make you free when the final day comes. Okay, so what is he saying? The moment we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, we, ha we accepted the promise that in Christ we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternal life. Are we all in agreement with that, right? The moment we do that, the Scripture says the Holy Spirit comes and takes up deposit within us. The Scripture says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it, calls, uh, it, it says it, he, he puts the Holy Spirit in us as a deposit. Anybody ever shop at um, Kmart back in the day? Nobody? Just me? I used to, I used to work there. <laughs> All right, so now it's Walmart. I don't know if Walmart does it as much, but Kmart used to do have a layaway se section. You remember that? And what was the layaway section? You didn't, did you have to, whatever you wanted to buy, a TV, you wanted to be a, buy a vacuum cleaner, or whatever you wanted to buy, or a bicycle for Christmas, did you have to put all the money down? What did you have to do? You had to go, what? you brought it to the back, right? You brought it to the back, and then they would require that you put down a deposit, right? And the deposit would be what? Like something like 10% or 20% of what the thing is. And the deposit said to Kmart that what? That you are going to come back and pay for the rest of it, right? And so the Bible says that God has deposited in each and every single one of us the Holy Spirit, and that deposit is a guarantee that he's coming back to take you to be with him. Come on, somebody. Now, where does the Holy Spirit live? He lives in you. And so because he lives in you, he says it is possible to grieve him or to make him sad because he's a person. He's a person, all right? And so what are the certain things that, that would make the Holy Spirit sad? Some things that we say, some things that we do, some things that we allow ourselves to, 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 to get caught up in, 
These are all things that have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not make the Holy Spirit sad by the things that you're saying and by the things that you're doing. Because where you go, he goes. And what you do, he's right there with you. And that's why I always say with people, they ask me, call me up, Pastor Rick, uh, 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 can you talk? Yes, are you alone? No. What, what, do you want me to call back? No. But you said you're not alone. I'm never alone. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. I'm never alone. And if you're a believer, neither are you. And so you need to start practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we forget he's there. And because we forget, we become like the, the Corinthian church. And Paul's admonition to them, I am concerned that I'm going to come and I'm going to find all sorts of foolishness among you. Jealousy and contentions and, and fighting and, and gossip. All these things ought not take place. If we practice the presence of the Lord, there's certain things that we would do and certain things we wouldn't do. Certain places we would go and certain places we wouldn't. Come on, somebody. Certain things we would say and certain things we ought not if we practice the presence of the Lord. And even if you don't practice it, listen to me, he is there. If you are a genuine believer, the deposit has been put in you. He's there. So Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Watch this. It goes on to say, Verse 31, do not be bitter or angry or mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. Verse 32, be kind and loving to each other and forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. And I always like to emphasize, how did God forgive us in Christ? Was it with conditions? Did he say, I'll forgive you when you <laughs> deserve it. <laughs> or, you know, he doesn't put conditions on it. It's unconditionally. He just loves us. He forgives us. The moment we are genuinely um, contrite about the things that are going on in our lives, he forgives us. And he says, since I've forgiven you, I want you to forgive others. Husbands, forgive your wives. Parents, forgive your children. Wives, forgive your husbands. Cultivate that kind of atmosphere around you. And when we do that, we will taste and see that the Lord is good. What else does he say? Philippians 4.8, he says, Brothers and sisters... Think about the things that are good and worthy of praise. Think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected. Is that scripture on your outline? It should be. I want you to circle everywhere it says think. 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 And so, before we repeat a juicy story, I want you to ask yourself a couple, five things. I want you to think about this. 
Is what's being said true? That's the first one. If it's not true, don't repeat it. But even if it's true, is it harmless? Or is it going to cause damage to my friends or my family or the person that you're talking about? How about this? Is it inspiring? Inspiring? Does it lift up? Does it build up? Is it necessary? That juicy bit of information? that you want to share? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it kind? Listen to me. If it's not true, if it's not harmless or inspiring or necessary or kind, if it isn't those things, don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. came across another poem. It says, I know something good about you. It goes like this. I know something good about you. Wouldn't this old world be better if the folks we meet would say, I know something good about you and treat us just that way? Wouldn't it be fine and dandy if each hand clasp, fond and true, carried with it this assurance, I know something good about you? Wouldn't life be lots more happy if the good that's in us all were the only thing about us that folks bother to recall? Whoa. Wouldn't life be lots more happy if we praise the good we see? For there's such a lot of goodness in the worst of you and me. Wouldn't it be nice to practice that fine way of thinking too? You know something good about me. And I know something good about you. Listen, when I was growing up, I had three, two brothers, and every now and then I, we'd get into it, like many of you, did, you guys did with your siblings, and we'd have some colorful things to say to one another. And if my mama heard, she would say, like many of you, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. As I got older, I had kids of my own, four of them. And I modified her little saying just a little bit, and you can ask my kids to this day. Matter of fact, I don't know if any of them in this room, they're, they're all serving somewhere. But ask them what dad used to say. I used to say, if you've got and they start bickering at one another and calling names. And I would say, if you've got nothing nice to say, shut up. <laughs> and they're going to put emphasis on it, too, because that's exactly what I'd say. Now, you can use my mama's version if you want to, or you can use my version. But you get my point. If you don't have nothing nice to say, keep it to yourself. Come on, somebody. It's getting quiet in here. Romans 12.10, love each other like brothers and sisters. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. How do we do that? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you a couple of ways. Number one, keep private matters private. 
Keep private matters private. Proverbs 25, 9 through 10 says this. So discuss the matter with them privately. Don't tell anyone else or others may accuse you of gossip. Then you will never regain your good reputation. The message says it this way. In the heat of an argument, don't betray confidences. Word is sure to get around and no one will trust you. And so as it relates to whatever someone tells you, ask yourself three questions. Am I talking Am I talking about ways to help this person, or am I just talking? Is this person being lifted up, or am I, or am, or am I tearing them down? And would I be comfortable if this person were to walk in on our conversation? Would I automatically just stop talking? They're here, they're here, don't shh, shh. An old Chinese proverb says this, speak only well of people and you need never whisper. Listen, truth is, there's probably going to be times when we're going to have to speak about someone who's not present, but our prayer and our admonition should be that God would help us to always speak of that person in the best possible light. And my prayer to all of you, for all of us, is that may God put a watch on all of our tongues so that we can avoid the juicy fruit of gossip. Let's think before we speak. And again, let me remind you of what Proverbs 26.20 says. It says, without fire, without wood, fire goes out. And without gossip, quarrels, dies down. My heart for this church is the same as Paul's. We don't want to see jealousies and factions and gossip prayer meetings where all you're doing is taking a person apart. God called us not to be people who tear each other down, but to be those who lift each other up. Amen? And so if we're going to experience or taste and see that the Lord is good, we're going to give God rule and reign over our tongues so that we might not grieve the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start practicing the presence of God in our lives, recognizing that where we go, He goes. And what we say, He's privy to. And my prayer is that the things that come out of our mouths would edify not just him, or glorify him, but those around us. Imagine if we did what the poem said, that we purposely look for positive things to say about each other. I look for positive things to say about you, and you look for positive things to say 
about me. Oh, what a world that would be. Amen? That all starts in, rela in relationship with Jesus Christ. We serve a risen Savior. Amen? That loves us and cares for us. That wants us to be in relationship with him. None of this happens apart from him. He says, in me, you can do all things. He says, apart from me, you can't do anything. When he says you can't do anything, you can't do anything of eternal value if you're going to separate yourself from Jesus. It all starts with him. And the moment we get in him, the Holy Spirit comes within us. He starts to conform us. And if you want to know what he's conforming us to, the scripture literally says he's conforming us to the image and likeness of his son. We're becoming more like Jesus in the way we respond, in the way we uh, uh, deal with things, in our talk, in our, in our actions, in our attitudes. But it all starts when we say, okay, Lord, uh, I need you. I need a Savior, and Jesus is our Savior. And so if you haven't yet bowed the knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the love of your souls, that's where it starts. It doesn't end there. It's just like in Butterfingers, it's not automatic. He says, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. Your attitude is going to be not one of a casual Christian, laissez-faire, you know. You're going to take your, your relationship with the Lord seriously. And you're going to press into the things of the Lord. And you're going to seek him and you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. If you've not yet done that, it would be my privilege and my honor just to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him this day. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge my need for a Savior. Come into my life and come into my heart. From this day forward, I submit my life completely to you. I surrender to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Three days later, rose again. And because he lives, and I put my faith in him, I have the promise of eternal life. I receive the deposit of the Holy Spirit in my life. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe this message hit home in some form or fashion. And maybe... Because the culture says certain things are okay to do and you see it on TV and your friends are doing it, just because they're all doing it doesn't mean it's right. And maybe you've given your tongue over to gossip and slander about the people around you. Listen, we serve a forgiving God. He's not trying to beat us up. He's trying to lift us up. So the Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. If you've participated in it, ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you of this. Ask his help in changing your attitude toward that person. And maybe the issue is a bitterness thing or something someone did or said. Ask God to help you to forgive. Forgive like God forgave you. 
in Christ Jesus. And put them in God's hands. Put her in God's hands. And release them to the Lord. Because God's plan for you is better than getting caught up in the muck and mire of the foolishness of this world. Thank you, Father, for your amazing grace and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.